listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. So we've been uh, in a series, as you saw, called The Good Stuff. Now, we've been through eight weeks. This is week nine. And in those first eight weeks, we've been talking through the book of Romans. Now, it's different than what some of you may have heard. Some preachers go verse by verse by verse, and that's never been something I've been very good at. What we've done is kind of taken a chapter each week, and we'll hit some of the high spots, and there's just so much rich stuff, so much good stuff in the book of Romans. And I thought, here we are, we're week nine, maybe we should just do a quick recap and kind of go back and say, we started in a very remedial way, in a very basic way, because Paul starts by talking in Romans chapter 1 about the fact that there is a God. And it sounds so like, well, duh, you know, whatever, you know, church people, they, they know that. But I am telling you that that thing alone, to me, the first two messages in this series were so foundational to understanding the rest of it and to looking at the book of Romans. First, we understand there is a God. And when you get that at a high level on the inside, it changes everything. It changes how you respond to circumstances. It changes how you deal with life. It changes when threatening things come at you instead of, you know, reacting to them and being like, ah, yeah, you know, when we're all torn up. We remember there is, say it with me, a There's a God. There's a God. And he loves us and he is with us and he is for us. There is a God. It changes everything. And then the second week we realized that the very fact that there is a God, a righteous God, demands that there be ultimate justice in the universe. And again, an important talk. And we talked about the idea that justice is a right thing, and it's a good thing, and it sounds a little scary because we all know we're broken. We all know we're a mess in many regards. But the good news is that we talked about on week three is, is that Christianity is different from all other major one-God religions And that Christianity is not about how well behaved we are, how good a life we live. Christianity is about how good God is to us. Amen? It's about what God has done for us. Christianity could really be defined in one word as grace. God comes to us and gives us grace. That's what we celebrate. That's what we worship God for. Not because we've lived perfect lives, because the best of us are still a mess and broken. And in subsequent weeks after that, we talked about how, you know, we live out that grace, how there's peace and joy in that grace. We talked about how, you know, we have struggles in our lives. We all do. We, we you know, we embrace this, but often we live down here. We talked about these gray areas that we have and how we brutally need to be honest and own those things. We, we talked about the difference between how we live experientially and how we live positionally, that experientially, often, we're in the world, but this is what Jesus said when he prayed for his followers. He said that he was praying not that God would take us out of the world, that he would protect us in us in the world, because we are in the world, but we are not. Can anybody finish it for me? We're not of the world. We're not of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to talk about this next week, I'm kind of excited about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, first of all, you're a nutcase in everybody's opinion. That who is not a follower of Jesus, but you're, you're a child of the king. You, it, this is an entirely different thing. And then if you remember last weekend, we talked about how important it is to understand that if there is a God, that those of us who are constant fixers, that always feel like we have to take care of stuff and worry it and, 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 and chew on it and gnaw on it like a dog on a bone, we don't have to because there is a God, he loves us, and even when we've blown it, What we remember from Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is, 
There is therefore now, can anybody tell me? No condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. And nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So this week now, week nine, we're going to finish in three weeks. And so we still have uh, out of, there are 16 chapters in Romans. So we're going to begin talking about multiple chapters each week. And this week is going to be nine, chapters 9, 10, and 11. And remember, again, I don't really preach it from line upon line, but I talk about, I hit something high. And the thing I'm going to talk about today, Paul weaves in through chapters 9, 10, and 11. And he starts out Romans chapter 9 by basically opening up and talking about a struggle in his own life. His, what I would describe as an, a, a deeply emotional struggle for him, something that's very personal. And it has to do with his own people, the Jews. Because these are people who have seen God work dramatically, and yet he sees so many of them that are not followers of Jesus. And so this is what he says. Let's pick up in verse 1 of Romans chapter 9. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My, My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. He's describing the Jews. Those of my own race, the the people of Israel. Theirs, he begins to talk about what they had. He said, theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, all those people we read about in the Old Testament. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is Jesus, all right? And, and he says, who is God overall and forever praised, amen. So Paul writes this and he says, he says, guys, my, my, my heart is broken for my people. Because even though they've had ongoing supernatural intervention from God in their lives so many times, so many of them are not making a connection with God. There is some kind of disconnect and they're not there. He's, he's saying, if I, could, if I could offer my life as a sacrifice, it doesn't work that way, but if I could, I would because I want them to know God. And you kind of have to ask the question, why is it? I mean, If you have the kind of heritage they have, how many people have in their their history, you know, your family saw the Red Sea part, you know, and you saw, you walk through on dry ground. All the miracles, all the amazing, how is it that the Jews who have this rich heritage and wonderful law and the, the, the hand of God that moves so often in their midst, how is it so many of them can't seem to make that connection? Of course, we could ask the question, How is it that so many people today can't seem to make the connection with God? So I want you just to think about this. Here's my question. And I don't want out loud answers, all right? I'm not looking for those. Just want you to think about this. Why do you think people don't connect with God? What do you think the the biggest reason people don't connect with God is? What What do you think that is? Why is it you think that people, they know about God, they've heard about him maybe, but they just don't seem to make that that connection where they join with God? Why do you think that is? Now, I think people probably, if if we were to go around and say, just what's your opinion? There'd be lots of variety in the answer. Some people would say, well, I, I think we just don't walk in love enough. I just think we don't have a spirit of love, and, 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 and so they, they don't make the connection. Some people might say, well, I think it has to do with the fact that they don't know the truth, they don't know the scriptures, they don't know you know, that which will help them be set free. And other people would say, well, I think it has to do with the fact that there's too much sin. There's such darkness and sin in people's lives, and it, and it separates them from God, and they can never make a connection with God. And all those would be answers worthy of thinking about and processing. But I actually believe that what Paul talks about here, and we're going to see this, 
is that there's like one tripping point that affects more people probably than anything else that keeps them from a connection or even an ongoing connection with God. And it's an interesting thing. It's faith. Faith. Believing in that which you cannot touch or see or taste or smell or hear. It is faith in that which you cannot produce or find comfort physically in yourself. And this is a thing that caused the Jews to stumble, and it causes so many of us to stumble. Let's, let's look at what he says later in chapter 9. He says, the people of Israel, again, the Jews, pursued the law. So they went after obeying the law as the way of righteousness, which really would be interpreted as right standing with God. And it says, they have not, what? They, they haven't attained their goal. He said they didn't get there. They pursued, the, you know, obeying the law as a way to righteousness, but he, he says they haven't attained their goal. And then he asks the question, why not? And he answers it, because they pursued it not by, would you say this word out loud, please? Faith. faith. They pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. In other words, they made it about what they would do. And this is what I see happen in so many people in Christianity. I was just listening to something in the last two or three days, and I was going, oh my gosh, that's it. Because they were describing Christianity as a religion that's based around living a good life. That is how they were describing it. And so many people see Christianity as about how good we live our lives. We, we, we try to live good lives. We try to be good people. And that's, and that's exactly what they did. They thought if we can obey the law, if we can follow the rules, if we can have the right rules and we can do everything just right, somehow we will obtain the favor of God. They focused on what they would do Instead of believing, listen now, in what God had done. And therein lies a massive difference. This is, this is the same thing that we struggle with these days. And I'll tell you why it is. Because no one that I've ever met in my life is hardwired for faith. Because faith is believing in that which you cannot see. And what we like is what we can see and touch and taste and smell and hear and all that. That's what we want. We want to be able to embrace it. That's where we find comfort. You've heard people say this. I'll believe it when I see it. Exactly. That's what we find comfort in. So it is counterintuitive to us to live lives in or by faith. We don't like it. Well, I mean, we, we don't like it. 15, 20 years ago now, I can't remember exactly the time, but I took a, a vacation and met up with my brothers. Both of them were still alive, but then my older brother Rick and my younger brother Dave in Colorado. And uh, we spent, I think, like a week together. It was a blast. We drove all over the place, climbed up these mountain trails, and did all kinds of fun stuff. And we finally ended up over at this vacation place that my younger brother Dave, who's still alive, has in Colorado there. And, and by it, there is this massive outgrowing of like rock, stone. It just, it's like it just goes up. It's called Sheep's Head Rock. And Dave looks at us and says, we should climb that. Now, I want to tell you about my brother Dave. Some of you know this. My brother Dave is a mountain climber. He has summited the highest mountain on every continent in the world. He's part of a very rare group of people who have actually done that. Last I knew it was like three, 400, something like that, in the history of the world. He's, he's one of those people. He's climbed Mount Everest. So he says, we should climb this. And I thought, we should go to lunch. 
And my older brother Rick thought the same exact thing. And Dave goes, no, no. He's like, this is an easy one. This is not a problem. We're like, no, no. This is, we're going to die if we climb this thing. Now, this was not technical, like you would need ropes and, and pitons and all that stuff. This wasn't like that. But it was like, it was like the kind of where you climb up rock like that. And he's going, come on, guys, we should do this. And we're both like, no, don't think so. And then he says, that, you know, that's fine. You don't have to. He said, you know, and I think it was his daughter he referred to, but it was a young girl. He said, you know, an 11-year-old girl climbed it with me last year. Okay, that's just evil. That, that, he pulled the manhood card, boom, right there. And so my older brother Rick and I are looking at each other like, well, we have no choice now because an 11-year-old girl climbed this thing. We're going to have to do it. And so we said, okay, we'll climb it. You know, we hated Dave at that point. And, and uh, um, we started climbing this. And first you're just scrambling up over rocks and everything. But the higher we got on it, the steeper it got. And it was, honestly... Um, Typically, I'm not afraid of heights, but this was scary for me. This was very scary. And Dave, Dave is not just a great mountain climber. He is one of the most encouraging people you will ever meet in your life. He's just that way. He's just, he, he really is an encourager. And so he's going, you, got, you can do this. You can do this. And so he'd be like, just, just put your hand there. All right, now put your foot there. You got this. You're going to make this. This is great. And I knew, I fully believed that he knew what he was talking about. I knew that. He was a mountain climber. He'd, done all, he'd climbed mountains all over the world. And I knew that he knew what he was talking about. And I believed him. But I was not feeling the love. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It was like I, I actually felt like I had faith in what he was saying. But I still did not want to do it. And he would go, no, no, just reach up there. And I'm like, Day, I can't, I can't, no. And he'd be like, come on, you can do this. Reach up, grab that. All right, now put your foot there. And I'm like, ah. And it got, the more I went, the scarier it got. And we came to this place where there, I don't know if they call them flues or shoots or what they are, but it's like the rocks kind of come together, but not completely. And you have to climb up between the rocks, like pushing against both sides. And folks, if you slip, you don't fall on a mattress, you're going to die, or at least that's how it feels. And I remember, it's like, it's like he's like, just, just keep pressure. You're fine. You're doing great. And I'm like, ah! You know, I felt like a three-year-old girl most of the time when I was climbing. Not an 11-year-old because she climbed it and was tough, but I felt scared to death. He's saying, you got this, you got this, it's good. And I'm saying, I believe you. But what I felt like was worst case scenario, I was going to die Best case scenario, I was going to have to change my pants when I got back to the house. <laughs> and I got to the top and I climbed down, which was even scarier. It, it really was. But that is exactly, this is what, so many people get confused about faith. That's what faith looks like. I, I want you to hear this because most people think like the faith person is like this really chill dude, you know, that just kind of walks around going, yeah, God, you know, he moves, man, I believe. And he's just, he's just always there. He's going to take no problem. Okay, that's a person who's probably abusing some kind of medication. That is not faith. What you need to understand about faith, this is so important to get. What you need to understand about faith is faith is almost always at its, at its best when it's right in the middle of feelings of angst and stress and fear and uncertainty and anxiety. It is right there because faith is believing in that which you cannot physically embrace but you know is true. There is a God. Faith is not just 
I feel good. That is not faith. It is about a choice that you make. I'll tell you a, 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 another thing, and, and, and this, this is where I think sometimes people get so confused about what faith is. They feel like faith is just supposed to, like, when I need faith, God will just give it to me. Listen, faith is not, you don't put your fist in the middle with the other rings of superpowers and hit them together and then a bolt comes down and it's like, bam, faith, baby, now I got. It doesn't work that way. That's not how faith operates. Faith is about a decision that you make, that you will trust the God that somehow you've experienced on the inside and know to be real. You believe, it's a, it's a choice. I remember someone, a friend of mine said, when he was in his teens, you know, he, he felt confused about the whole religious thing and God, and so he went to a pastor because he said, he wanted to have faith in God. He said, but I just don't have faith. He said, what do I do to get faith? And the pastor said to him, just believe and you'll have faith. And he looked at me and said, that's like the dumbest response in the world. It's a circular argument. Just believe and you'll have faith. Well, I can't believe. I don't seem to be able And a lot of people think that it's just something that will somehow pop up, but that's not what faith is. Faith is a relationship with God that you've developed or started, and then it is saying, I believe in that, even though I can't see it, I trust it. So, so I want to talk about this idea of faith this weekend, because really, through these three chapters, Paul keeps coming back and referencing this, particularly as it relates to the Jews and, and why they seem so often to be like distant from God. And let's go back and look again at the scripture we, we uh, saw earlier, but I'm going to add to a little on the front end. It says, the Gentiles, that's everybody that's not a Jew, who did not pursue righteousness. In other words, they weren't going after it. They weren't trying to, to, to do all the things right. He said, they at- obtained it. They, they, they found it. Because it is a righteousness that is, say the next two words out loud. It's by faith. It's by faith. He says, but, and then we read this before, the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness, in other words, how I behave, I gotta be good enough, I gotta do all these things. It says, they've not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. He says, that, that, that's not how it works. They went after it like it was a religious project. Okay, I gotta live right. I gotta do these things. I gotta, I gotta make it all happen. Be good, live by the rules, and then maybe, you know, somehow I'll please the Creator and He'll let me get into heaven or something like that. But the mistake that they made was that they made it about their effort instead of a relationship with God. And it never, never, never works. If you wanna have a relationship with God, this is what the Bible says. Do you know what the Bible says? The one thing we need to, if we wanna please God is? Anybody know? It is faith. Look at this. This is Hebrews 11:6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible. To please God. Without what? So you could be kind of a jerk, but if you have faith, you could please God? Apparently. Thank God, because a lot of Christians I know actually are jerks. It really is. <laughs> Someone just said amen. Yeah. Probably a jerk. All right. And without faith, I don't know who said it, right? It was in this area, but, you know. Oh, it was you? Oh, well, then, all right. Yeah, I guess that works. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must, say it out loud, believe believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It is about believing in God. It is about not, you know, just some behavior you have, but it's a choice that you make. It doesn't say they try to be good people. It says if you want to please God, because you believe, you have, you have faith. And again, I've said this and said it and said it. Let me just say it one more time. Christianity is not now. It has never been about how good you are. 
is about how good God is. And I'm not saying we're not trying to live good lives. Of course we are. But the essence of Christianity is based around what God has done for us and that we believe in him. And then in the living out of that belief, I want to become a better person and a kinder person and all of that. This is, this, if we could get this, this is such a powerful truth that really sometimes I think we're working so hard to be nice people and we're like, I just want to be a good Christian. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a good Christian? Does it mean you've behaved well? Well, according to what we just read, I think it means that you've believed well that you've actually lived a life of faith. You know, this is what it says at the start of the book of Romans. It says in Romans 1.17, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by what? Faith from first to last. Keywords, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. These are keywords from first to last. That means in your life, you are to live a life first of faith. Because if you want a connection with God, it starts by believing in him. And you live through your days as a person of faith. So time out, time out. I know some of you, you're not sure where you're at with the whole Christian thing, and I totally respect that. But I'm going to speak now just to Christians. If you say you are a Christian, would you say... You live a life of faith. Would you say you live a life of faith? I think it's a really good question. Some of us may say, I think I do. Some of us may say, I'm not sure. Some may say, "Um, I, I just want you thinking about that. Because this is what it said. We just read this. The righteous will live by faith. And it's from first to last. Do you live a life of faith, which is believing in that which you cannot physically see or produce, but you know to be true. It's always about faith. So let me, let me just break this down a little bit. Let's just talk first about what faith is not, because there's a lot of confusion on this idea of what faith looks like. First of all, faith is not what I would describe as religious works. This is where a lot of people think that what they're doing when they go to church is practicing the faith. Can I tell you what you're doing when you're going to church? You're going to church. That doesn't mean you're practicing the faith. I mean, you can sit in church and stare all day long, and it's like it doesn't make you a Christian any more than living in a hen house makes you a chicken. It doesn't work that way. It's not religious works. It's not I've memorized certain verses. It's not I've been a nice person. Sometimes people say, well, I hope, you know, when I die, I go to heaven because I've tried to live a decent life. It's not living a de- It's not that. That is not faith. I mean, come on, folks, we have to get this. And I think, I think, honestly, churches have been guilty of kind of making us think, you know, sort of like that's what it is, is that faith is really like, like uh, you know, I, 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 you know I, I follow the rules of the church and as long as... I, church, churches are weird, you know, including ours. All churches are. It's like churches build these little rituals and traditions sometimes that you wonder, what, where did they come from and what do they mean? Has anybody ever gone to a church service where when you were done you were like, I have no idea what just happened there. Any, anybody ever had that experience? Some of you are going, yeah, that's today. You know, I, I get that. All right. But churches, I mean, some people say, I went to church recently and I sat up. I, I stood up, sat down, stood up, sat down 20 times. I have no idea why I did that. And I'll tell you why that happens. Is what happens is, is that we, we start something and it's meaningful, but then we just turn it into a ritual. 
And then after a while, it becomes such a ritual for us. It's like, this is how you do it. This is how you practice your faith. This is how you worship. This is your religious rule. And it's like, it doesn't have meaning anymore. I, I've used an illustration to describe this for years, and I repeat my illustration. So some of you, lots of you have probably heard this, maybe more than once, but I, I, I think there's not a better one. It's, it's about a newlywed couple, and, and uh, uh, the, the new bride's going to make dinner for, you know, for them. And so she, she has a ham, and she's preparing the ham, and she cuts the end off the ham, and she puts it in a pan. She puts it in the oven and turns it on. And, and the husband's standing there, and he's just he's looking at her, and he goes, that looks like it's going to be good. It looks like it's going to be great. And he says, can you tell me why you cut the end of the ham off? Why is there that chunk there at the end that you cut off? And she goes, because that's how you bake a good ham. And he goes, okay, got it. But Why? She goes, because that's what makes it have a great flavor. He goes, I get it, but why? She goes, my mother did it for years. And if you don't like it, she said, you've eaten her cooking. You know what it's like. You know she's an amazing cook, and mom did it, and that's the way you make a good ham. He goes, well, why did your mom do it? I don't know. Why didn't you call her and ask her yourself? So he calls her, and he says, hey, why do you cut the end off a ham? And you're, because that's what makes a good ham. And he's like, yeah, I get that, but why? Can you tell me why? She goes, you know my mother, your wife's grandmother? That's the way she always did it. And she knows she's a good cook. You've tasted her cooking. He says, I have. I'm going to call her. So he calls her and says, Grandma, why did you always cut the end of the ham off? She said, the pan was too short. (laughs) Now, I know that's a ridiculous illustration, and some of you are like, that's the fourth time I've heard that, you know, since I've been here. But I don't think there's a better way to land up because this is a lot of how we live our lives. Would you agree with that? It's like we're doing stuff and we don't even know why. That's not faith. It's not religious works. It's not just, I behave this way, I try to be decent. No, 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 faith is not about that. It's not religious ritual. Jesus dealt with that very thing. I mean, you think about this. Jesus heals a guy. He heals him from, multiple times he does this. He heals somebody from disease or sickness or lameness or whatever. And then he has people who want to kill him, religious people, who say out of one side of their mouth, I love God, but out of the other side of their mouth, they want to kill Jesus because he did it on the wrong day. How screwed up can religion get when you want to kill somebody because they set someone free on the wrong day? But that's what happens, is that it becomes about religious works. Faith is not religious works. Faith is something deeper. It is a belief in the realness and the divineness and the goodness and the sovereignty of God. It is a remarkably different thing. Second thing it is, and this is where many people get confused, is faith is not not only religious works, it's not just being hopeful. It's, it's, again, it's, it's not. I mean, some people are like, I just feel, I feel faith. Today I'm feeling faith. No, you had three cups of coffee. You're feeling caffeine. <laughs> it's not just being hopeful. It's, see, this is where we get screwed up is we actually try to make faith simply a feeling. But that is the mistake that we make is that faith is not a feeling. Faith is a choice that we make. It's a decision that we make. This is what the Bible describes faith as. This is a... Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. So it's more than hope. It's more than just being hopeful. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hope wishes something will happen. Faith anticipates its arrival. And there is a vast difference between those two things. Hope is waiting Faith is anticipating. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you've had an encounter with God. You're aware that his hand has touched your life and somehow, and so you embraced him and said, I don't see you. I see your hand at work, but I don't see you, but I believe. You know that wasn't just an emotion. That was a decision you made. I believe. 
I believe that you are. And so I choose to follow you because I've seen your hand at work. See, I like to say it this way, that true faith really is more than anything else. It is a decision that you make. So can I come back to the question with this statement in front of you? Do you live a life of faith? Do you live a life of faith? This is where a lot of people get confused, of course, because they think that means they should always feel good. Exactly the opposite. Often you don't feel good. All right, let, let's, let's, let, let's, let's do this. I, let, me just, let me just give you a couple thoughts. Because here, here I'm asking the question, do you live by faith? And some of you may be saying, I, I'd like to. I, I don't even know how to do it. What, what, what do we do? Let, let, let's just talk for just a few minutes here about what it looks like to live a life or to do your best to walk in faith. And I think it's really about two things. I think it's about your position and I'll describe it as placement and perseverance. Let's just, let's just talk about this first one. We live by faith. It, to really do it effectively, it is about placement. Now, here, here's what I mean by this, and don't miss this. It's about you. All right, so, so you can't always choose the stuff that comes at you, right? I mean, you wake up in the morning, you feel really good. It's like, life is good, yeah, it's going to be a great day. And then your car breaks down one mile away from your house on the way to work and you find yourself not feeling faith-filled, you find yourself swearing. Oh, nobody thought that was funny because that was close to home right there, baby. And you're upset, and then you get to work and you find out they're cutting back your overtime. Now, you can't control those things. What you can always control is you can control your internal response, right? You, thank you. You can't control the external things always, but you can control your internal response, right? Yeah, yeah you, you, you really can. Now, some of you are going, honestly, I can't. <laughs> I mean, something bad happens and I behave badly. And I will tell you why that is. Here's why that is. It has to do with the placement of your life. Because if you place yourself in a, in a, in a situation where you are growing that which you want to become, you will become that. So let's say you want to be a person of faith. You want to walk in faith. What you need to understand is, is how faith comes. This is what scripture tells us in Romans chapter 10. Paul's still talking about this in chapter 10. He says in verse 17, he says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Now listen to this, because this is so important. Many of us say, I want to have faith, but what we don't do is place ourselves where this is happening. We don't put ourselves in situations where we're hearing that message which brings encouragement and brings affirmation to what we want to become into our lives. Let me ask you a question. Well, 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 let me me start by just saying, this is why I'm such an advocate, and I know I sound like a broken record on this, but I think people ought to be a part of a church family. I'm not saying this is the one you should be a part of. I'm just saying you ought to be a part of a church family. You ought to go where you can find encouragement and where you can hear the message of Christ, because what it does, what we just read is, is that when you hear the message of Christ, it builds faith. Faith comes from hearing the message of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone to a church service and when you left, you felt more faithful than when you came in? Sure. And you know why that is? Because you heard the message of Christ. 
And what it does is it raises hope up on the inside of you. And I need that, and you need that. We need that in our lives. But it's about where we place ourselves. This is why I say you should be a part of a church family. This is why I'm such an advocate of being a part of a small group. We call them life groups at TVC. Do you know why I think they're so important? I am in one. I meet in a men's group on Thursday mornings. And I can tell you that there are very few meetings that somebody in that group doesn't say, and these are not sissy men, these are manly men, all right? Maybe with the exception of me, but they're manly men in there. And almost every week that we meet, someone will say, I am so thankful for this group because it helps remind me that I need to stay on the path that I know I want to be on. I am so thankful for you guys. They'll say that. I mean, and we don't all cry or anything. Don't get me wrong. It's not like that. You know, we're not like, oh, we love you. We don't hug and, 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 or anything like that. But, but they'll say, that's why I love this group because it keeps me aligned with what I know I want to be. And it's so easy to not go to group. It's so easy to not be in a life group or not go to church because there's so many things pushing in our lives. But those are the places where we hear the message of Christ. Do you understand? This is how you grow your relationship with God. You, you, do you get it that this is how marriage works? You want to have a good marriage, you don't say, I love you till death do us part, give each other a kiss, and then go your separate ways. Throughout your marriage, you work at making sure that you have connections with each other, that you're together, that you place yourself in times where you have dates, where you have times when you're not with the kids, where you have times where you do little things for each other. You do all those things because when you do those things, they open little doors in our lives which allow us to build our faith in each other. I just gave you a little marriage seminar in the midst of a message on faith, all right? That was free. That's how you build a relationship. That's how you build a relationship. And that's exactly how you grow faith. You place yourself in these places where you're going to hear the message of Christ. I love a saying I heard the other day. This is not a verbatim quote. I don't even have the the author of this saying, but I just heard it and I thought this was so good and I, I wrote it down real quick. But I love this. We achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. So here's how this works. So, so here are my values. This is who I want to be. This is what I want in my life. I want to be a man of faith. I want to walk with God. I want to have that. And I achieve peace. I achieve this sense of rightness inside when my schedule comes up to place me in, a, in alignment with my values. Isn't that good? It's like when we, when, we, when we place ourselves, when we position ourselves so that we're hearing the word of Christ, it's growing faith on the inside of us. And then what happens, see, is because we make, make those choices to do that, then, then that changes who we become and how we are. Our faith grows. I, I love, you've, you've heard wise people say this for years and probably plenty of you have quoted this. We make our choices and then, and then our choices make us. And that's true. It's true. It is about placement. It's about me making sure that I'm hearing regularly the word of Christ, the message of Christ, the hope of Christ because that opens little doors in me and builds my connection with God and my faith grows stronger. And that leads me to the second one because, see, here's the deal. A lot of people think, you know, when you feel really, really faith-filled, when you just like, ah, I feel really great, that that somehow is being full of faith. Again, it's about a decision you make, and that decision absolutely requires perseverance. Uh, I, I, I will say this. In, in my opinion, the most faith-filled people I know sometimes struggle with doubt more than anybody else I know. The most faith-filled people that I know struggle with doubt because, listen, listen, 
when you are actually living in faith, believing in that which you cannot see, you don't need faith for what you can see or taste or touch or smell or whatever, but when you're believing in that which you cannot see, which you've asked, you've looked for, for the hand of God, when you're believing in that, doubt will circle you constantly. And so people who are in faith, they are extremely familiar with doubt. So can I just say to you when you say, Jeff, I don't think I have any faith because I have so many doubts, maybe that you have way more faith than you think. Because faith is not about the doubts that come and it's not about the feelings you have. Faith is about the decision you make. And so a person of faith says, I have encountered God. I believe in God. Therefore, everything around me right now looks like a mess and I don't know how it's possible to even fix this and I don't even understand why God let it get to this place. And here's one of my favorite words. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. I love how they took three words, put it into one. Awesome. Nevertheless, I will trust God. That is faith. You think maybe because things are going south in your life right now and they don't look really good, you're not in faith or you're not trusting God. It doesn't matter how they look. Faith is not about how things look. Faith is about the decision that you make. I will trust you. And I will trust that you know more than I know. And that maybe I think it should go this way and it hasn't. But maybe you know something I don't. And maybe I'm not even asking for the right thing. But I trust you nonetheless. And most of you have had that experience. Most of you have said, in retrospect, thank God he didn't answer that one. The most loving thing God could have done was not give me the thing I thought I had to have. And he had something better in mind because God knows what you don't. Amen? And so faith says, nevertheless, nevertheless, right now I feel like crying. I do not know why things have happened like they have. I do not know what's going to fix this. I feel like a wreck. Nevertheless, I trust God. And Paul concludes chapter 11 so beautifully. And he writes these words. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And then he describes what I just talked about, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who's known the mind of the Lord or who's been his counselor, who's ever given to God that God should repay them. In other words, God is so much higher than us and he knows what we don't. He says, for from him and through him and for him are all things to him be glory forever. God knows what you don't and he loves you and will take care of you. Amen? So, it looks rotten and I feel miserable. Nevertheless, I will trust him. And I will keep placing myself in situations where I hear the word of Christ so that those doors will open and my faith will grow and I will become stronger in the thing that is supposed to be from first to last in my life and that is faith. Faith. Are you a person of faith? Now some of you, what you needed to hear this weekend this is like your one once every three month visit to a church somewhere. 
you realize God's speaking to you, you need to be in a church family. You need to go where you hear the word of Christ and when you leave, you feel a little bit more faithful. It may not be this church, it may be another church, but you need to be in church. Some of you heard this and you realize, I've been saying I'm so busy. I'm too busy for God. You don't take time on a daily basis just to pray and listen to him speak and to read a little scripture. I mean, we're not talking about hours. We're talking about, you know, if, if, if Jesus texted you, let me just ask, if he texted you and said, hey, can we hang out? You're going to say, uh, sorry, I am so swamped right now at work. He responds, you know this is Jesus, right? Yeah, I know. I'm just totally, I can't. You would not do that. Some of you need to be a part of a life group and you haven't been. You've been fighting it. Just do it. Step out and do it. Some of you would say, I feel so far from God. I, Jeff, I don't, I don't feel like I've ever actually expressed faith. Or maybe you have, but you've wandered. So change that. You can do it right now. I'm going to pray. And then we'll be done. But if you've never given your life to Christ or if you need to recommit, just, just do it right now. Just pray along with me. So do, let's just pray. If that's you, just say, Jesus, I don't even understand it all, but I realize, I I see that you're real. On the inside, I, I know it's true. So I believe, just tell him, I believe. And I ask you to come in and take charge of my life. Just tell him that. I believe, and I make a mess out of things. I'm sorry, I need you. Come in and take charge of my life. Just tell him that. And if you do it that simple, if you do it that simple of a thing, if you say, I need to come back to you, God, I've wandered, you do that, it changes everything. Give him your heart right now. Just say, I give you my heart. And for every person who prayed and did that, God, we now pray that they would become increasingly aware of your presence and walk with you because we know that they have been changed this day in this place by making a decision for you. And so we celebrate that. We say, yay, God, for all that. And we pray your blessing on them. And now as we leave, help us to live lives of faith in Jesus' name. Let's say together, amen, amen. Have a wonderful day. You are dismissed. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.